0: Welcome to episode 392 of Troubadours and Rakan Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a grand conversation with artist, playwright, actress, director, humanitarian, Susanna Cook. She is based in New York City, she comes from Argentina via Paris, Gay Paris, and has been a New Yorker for quite some time, sharing her vision, her heart and soul. And we discuss that journey, we discuss dictators, and dog whistles, and Symbols about homophobia. We get into the Falkland Islands and dancing and preaching to the connected and the converted by creating community. A grand conversation with Susanna Cook on this week's program. We also have an EWSA titled "Heart." We share two pieces by Argentinian writer Jorge Luis Borges, music box and a compass. And we have a poem called Soul. And of course, all of this will be imbued, infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode Three Hundred and Ninety Two of Troubadours and Rock on Tours.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I dance with immigrants in the streets of plenty now running dry on empty without production from the people in power and without compassion or divine intervention from some white bearded father figure who lives in the sky. How has this species of ours gone so awry? We look out our windows and see while we walk and drive not enough of the deeper human sense of what it means to be alive. I speak from the perspective of a European ethnic American in these United States, a land of so much potential, yet curiously lacking in open, honest, intelligent debates that focus on our challenges as a society of people. We are hoodwinked and bamboozled, misdirected in a whirlwind of successive kerfuffles, lacking in substance or reflective of soulful grit. Will this be the legacy of our time? Have we not the capacity to see or strive for a sort of ethical, moral justice, sublime, Live and let live as brothers and sisters that strive for love and cooperation. Egos sublimated with a collectivism toward unity, dynamic and vigorous, breathing calm, strong and steady through and past baser impulses and temptations, evolving for real Happiness is not getting everything you want. So I dance as an immigrant in the streets of plenty, letting not the fear of my mind define my sense of the world or poison my identity. <laughs>
2: And the people in the houses all went to the university where they were put in boxes. And they came out all the same. And there's doctors and lawyers and business executives. And they're all made out of ticky tacky. And they all look just the same. And they all play on the golf course and drink their martinis dry and they all have pretty children and the children go to school and the children go to summer camp and then to the university where they are put in boxes and they come out all the same and the boys go into business and marry and raise a family in boxes Made of tiki tacky And they all look just the same There's a pink one And a green one And a blue one And a yellow one And they're all made out of tiki tacky And they all look Just the same
0: Susanna Cook, is that you?
3: Yeah, it's me. How are you?
0: Good, good. It's nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. And I want to make sure, am I saying Susanna the right way? Is it Susanna or Susanna?
3: Susanna. Susanna.
0: Yeah. Susanna. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to uh, share a little background information with the uh, listeners. So uh, here we go. Susanna Cook is a New York based playwright, performer, and director who works in political theater. She has been writing and producing original work for over 20 years. Born in Argentina, Susana graduated from the National School of Drama in Buenos Aires and trained in theater in Paris before moving to the United States in 1991. Susana's current work focuses on parallels between the dictatorship in Argentina and the present U.S. administration concerned with issues such as racism, classism, nationalism, and homophobia. Susanna creates powerful political satires that use humor as a tool for exposing the rationales used by those in power to justify oppressions against minorities. She has staged 16 original plays in venues across New York City. Her shows have also been featured internationally in Spain, Argentina, India, Colombia, Mexico, Ecuador, and Canada. And she has led workshops and performed at Yale and Michigan universities, Barnard and Williams College, among others. Troubadours and rock Tours is excited to have on the program, Susanna Cook. Again, thank you for taking the time out to be on the program. How are you? How are you doing during these crazy times?
3: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I. Um, I am adapting to the new reality. I'm a little bit nervous about the elections, but with the pandemic, I I you know, been navigating this and I I'm liking this whole new universe of being online and being on the phone and being I've been teaching a drug workshop in Medellin in Colombia. This on the 25th of this month, I will be performing in an international cabaret, festival of cabaret in Mexico City, and everything Not leaving the comfort of my house. You know, it's like we, uh, and I had people in the workshop from other countries too, people from Medellin mostly, but also people from other places. So I'm trying to look at the positive side of this and trying to be careful and trying to, I always wear a mask. I stay away from people. And I'm doing a lot of making videos mostly. My work is becoming mostly on video. And I'm loving it. I go, I, I work with dogs too. You know, I have a little like doggy daycare. And I take them to the beach, to Archer Beach. I live in the Bronx. And we go to Orchard Beach. And I go to Van Cortland Park. So I, I, um, I'm in the, uh, outside and the, in the woods and the beach, and i I'm surviving very well. I'm okay.
0: That's great. It's great to take a positive uh, approach to it all. and yeah. and um, how about your uh, give let's give the folks a little sense of uh, you know how you uh, got to where you are today, you know, the, the journey, so to speak. Give us a little bit about uh, your journey.
3: I started doing theater when I was sixteen years old. But then I read in a book that theater was dead, so I became a performance artist. But performance art died soon after I joined, so I became a feminist. But people were talking about post-feminism already. I had no idea why whatever I wanted to join was dying. I thought it was me, so I decided to be immortal. I want to be the biggest artist alive or dead eventually. I just want to be big, the most important writer of my time. I want to create the most impressive artwork of the century, the only one. Uh, I want to be singled out. I want to be a landmark of the Western civilization. I want to create one of those pieces of art that you need to mention in order to understand humans, human mind, and human soul. I want to be a mandatory topic in schools. Nobody will understand anything about my work. It will be too difficult for the common mind, like Einstein. Nobody understands his theories, but we respect him. He was a genius. We don't know why. Anyway, um, when I die, I want to be a website. I want you to remember me, but I don't want to remember you. I will, I, I forgot everything about you. I don't even remember your name. I digress. So um,
0: you don't have high expectations then for yourself, <laughs> no? Very modest.
3: No, but it was a joke about individualism. It was a monologue about. Uh, ambition, individualism, and everything in the art world is about you, you, you but it's like actually not what I do um, no, I'm coming from um, the point is that I started doing theater when I was 16 and it's the same year that the dictatorship started in Argentina and I was thinking uh, like it's not like I made a decision I'm doing, I want to do political theater, I think that when the the social reality around you is very intense. It's very uh, crazy. the The work of the artist becomes embedded with that reality. It's impossible to create a work that is not going to be somehow relating to. Like, I'm sure all the artists now are doing work that somehow is has to do with isolation, and pandemic, and. Uh, uh, dictatorship and you know authoritarian regimes Uh, so I think that like I was for many years I was uh, going every year for more than 10 years in Colombia in Bogota Uh, there's a festival of alternative theater that is amazing and I was looking at all the plays and I realized there's people coming from all over Colombia to Bogota for that festival and all the plays oh, you could call I'm sorry, political theater. Absolutely all of them. Like, and they don't even call it political theater for them it's theater. And, and I think that it's a little bit like that. I was very young, I was a teenager when like, I remember um, we were having breakfast in the morning with my brother, my sister, and my mom. And my mom turned on the radio, and instead of our typical radio program, we were listening every morning, there was a little military march. And my mom was like, oh, my mom had lived through dictatorships in Argentina. She said, okay, go back to sleep. It's a good and And then, you know, everything like that started happening after that. That's why, like, when things like... The ones that are happening right now here appear to be like a déjà vu because it's a—it's uh, really that the parallels are so incredible, you know, it's about law and order, you know, these governments always make themselves the law and order and the, they the way they do that is that they have to exaggerate the threat that something is about, you know, to destroy the country, the left, the radical left, In Argentina was the same thing. And, like, this president started to... It's so funny, I'm, I'm going to tell you that. That gave me a little consolation. That bio that you were reading was probably from another year, from when I was um, horrified with the Bush presidency, which now seems like a joke compared to this. Yeah, much better. Um, much better right i'm sure he's horrified with with this president himself but anyway um yeah it, you know like the they always have also like to have they have jesus they have god they have the country they own christmas <laughs> whatever you know well you heard uh, the
0: first lady she you heard what she said about christmas right
3: uh, oh, she said something that she doesn't give a shit. Something like that. Right? Like I saw something about it. Yeah. I didn't hear her, but yeah, yeah. She um, said, "I, I."
0: She said, that, "Well, I can't say the word because of the FCC." But she said, "F Christmas," you
3: know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's yeah. all lies, and it's like, yeah, it's like uh, religious people would say, like, if you're religious, you you're about to help people, not to to do what they are doing, to put them in cages. So. Yeah, but at the same time, that's why I think it's very powerful and it's very important The, the, what is it called, the religious left or, um, I don't know exactly, I don't remember the name now, but it's like a lot of groups that are very, um, you know, helping a lot of people, very progressive, very uh, leftist and very religious, and they should be louder because otherwise these people kind of like, take over as as the ones who own it they own god and the flag as if they are the only patriotic ones and they're not this guy is already saying that if he loses the election he's going to leave the country yeah and he will because all this fight to be present is to avoid going to jail so yeah
0: you've seen all this before now the dictatorship that you were talking about in argentina uh which, which dictator are we talking about
3: well, what I'm talking about, the one that was from 1976 until 1983 was what called what was called the Dirty War, and it was a very horrifying chapter in Argentina. Uh, there's, there were other dictatorships, but this one in particular was uh, the one that they, you know, these dictators are always anti-science, anti-intellectual, anti- they're very much anti-intellectual, and so because they were exaggerating the threat of these lefties that were organized, they started persecuting. Everything was an excuse for an economic system that they wanted to establish. It's always it has to do with economy. And, you know, an economic system that benefits the the rich. The, it was a neoliberalism at that time, a free market. So... They um, ended up. It was a, it was a crazy, crazy diabolic uh, things that they they end up killing thirty thousand young intellectual people who were going to the where the poor people were living to help them out. It was you know it was also a lot of leftist people and intellectuals, but it was not what they were describing. But then. Um, yeah, it was a disaster. It was called the Dirty War. It was like, uh, it was I about, think it
0: was uh, uh, Videla or something like that.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I have family and in Argentina Canada. too, and I, I know they've given me a little insight over the years. Some of my family left from Italy and went to Buenos Aires, and some went to the United States. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it was horrible for sure. And you're, you know, I, when I look at history, People like you and people like me, we're the first that they take out in the back and shoot, the dictators. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you question things, you and you seek uh, an intellectual, thoughtful approach to living life, and, th- and that gets in the way of a dictator.
3: Well, I left, <laughs> that's why I'm alive. I left when I was 18, and I went to live in Paris. That's why. It's not like I went to Paris to study. I left. Well, I knew French, and I had a cousin living in Paris, and that's how I ended up there. But if you see in the, the movie The Two Popes, because this Pope, uh, Saint Francis, Pope Francis, or um, he has an interesting history with Argentinian dictatorship. He was kind of like in the middle of it with Videla, and then he regretted, but the, the worst part of the church in Argentina was that they were giving them their blessing like this military Videla uh, went to when he was finally going to trial about the, all the, the torture and the horrifying things that they did, he went to court with a Bible in his hands. That's why it's so funny that then uh, this guy um, Trump, goes to take a photo with the Bible in his hands. They always have to be holding the Bible to do the most horrifying things. Like this this guy was throwing pepper, you know, the gas, whatever, to the people who were demonstrating in front of the White House. And then he had to take a photo with the, the Bible in his hand. It's always those symbols are the ones that I think we have to take away from them. And, you know, it's interesting because now I'm working a lot a long time ago, I had to do a, in 2016, I had to do a project in Michigan. Uh, it was a site-specific project in a convent that, um, that in a place that used to be a convent. And so I, I did some work with the ghost of those nuns. So I bought a bunch of nuns' costumes, and they were coming out of the old convent, walking very slowly with this Intense music that was written by my son. And so I had like 70 nuns' costumes that I couldn't throw away because they were expensive. So I keep using them and I'm using them again now. Uh, these nuns were um, walking on the beach with the dogs, whatever. But um, I'm doing it, using them for the project in Mexico. And I was thinking that we have to really appropriate those. Um, Images, you know, like these people really have a lot of power over a lot of people because they appear to be the ones that God prefers or something like that. So anyway.
0: Right, right. right. now yeah. I want to ask you, though, I mean, when you're looking at the people as compared to the, the dictators or, you know, the, you know the, the folks that are trying to manipulate them, how much responsibility do you think the people Need to take to to not be fooled.
1: Mm,
3: I think that it is a it's an identity game. To tell you the truth, I think that this guy was actually he's an idiot, but he's smart. And you're talking about that, Trump,
0: or you're talking about Videla? Yeah.
3: No, I'm trying. <laughs> Oops. Um, no, I think uh, now I'm talking about Trump. What Videla was. Uh, I was living in... Actually, I was living in New York when the, it was the war, you know, the war with the Fa- Falcon Islands. Yes. The way he manipulated people was through patriotism. And I was living in Paris. Then I came to New York because I have a cousin in New York. Then I arrived to Argentina, and I was listening to the news here about, like, that England was destroying the poor little boats of Argentina. And... I arrived to Argentina. People that I consider very smart were like talking about patriotic things. Like They were fanatics thinking they were winning the war with England. It was all fake news, which didn't exist at that time. And I think that this guy, even though you listen to what he says and it's so obvious that he's lying, so obvious that he's saying crap, but he gave them... um, I said, well... Uh, okay, oh gosh, I, it makes me it reminds me of a lot of things, um, but I can't remember the name of the woman that said that. Uh, what we're talking. We're talking. I'm mixing up everything, but listen, I'm gonna get to the point. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I, eventually, <laughs> no, she was talking about homophobia, and she said, "We actually got the wrong name because it's not a phobia." It's a supremacy system. They don't have any phobia. They love it. They feel superior to somebody. And and it's kind of like the same thing that this guy did to make these people feel like superior, to feel better. And then it's like all these supremacy games are... I don't think that people are being fooled. Some of them are not being fooled. They are being... Um how do you say like lifted to feel de- making them feel good about themselves. It's the bubble is gonna it's kind of blowing now. I mean I don't want to get too happy about what is gonna happen, but um I don't know, it's so complicated. I don't know why I'm getting into
0: No, that. I hear you. It it is. It was, was a that was a tough that. question I asked because I struggle with that myself. You know, I <clears throat> excuse me. I I struggle with all of these questions myself. I'm asking you because I, I'm wondering if you could help me out. I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I really don't know anything. I'm pretty sure of that, but I, am I, I'm, I'm also pretty sure that a lot of folks allow, without reflection, to themselves to be manipulated too easily, and we have to, we have to stop allowing that to occur. If as a, as a community, as a society. We aren't going to be taken advantage of you know and i'm i'm part of it but sometimes i see it more than i think other people not everybody but a, a lot of people do people that in other words follow trump i don't understand why they do unless they just hate um if it's not about hate and they really oh. believe he's going to help them i don't understand how they could be so fooled
3: it is about hate and unfortunately it is yeah and they did they they play the game I think that they our desperation during these last four years is what they felt when Obama was president. They hated, they are racist and they there's so many things that uh have to be, you know, re re, re what <laughs> you no know, teaching people differently having different, like, the society is based on so much hatred, and I'm sorry, but it's, it's the what it is. One time I was in the park talking to one guy, and he says, well, in this country, he wasn't a Native American, he was an African American guy, and he said, we kill the soul of this country when we kill the natives. And I was like, whoa, well, that's, that was very strong for the conversation in the park. But I think that uh, there's, like, a lot of work that has to be done. And I feel that maybe this guy who's who's so about, like, increasing the amount of hatred. You know what? The, the, this guy, um, what is his name? Uh, Stephen Miller? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. One it of was his... so
3: interesting when I heard the woman who was writing the book about him. And I had the book in my house, but I didn't read it. But... Um, The way that he organizes the speeches for Trump, it's always about reversing, using whatever your enemy is using. Like the guy who was his big influence, his mentor, was a guy, that I can't remember his name, who was actually a big leftist. And then he changed because a friend of his was killed by someone, whatever. And then he started using the same, appropriating the language of the people, like the people of color were using, for the white people, for example. The same way that now, the white people, if you read some of the comments of Trump, his followers write, thank you for ending racism. (laughs) This is white people telling him, thank you for ending racism, because they feel that they were victims of racism against white people. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they started using, like he started talking, fake news, fake news, when he won, only because of fake news, like he's using, all the everything that he's doing to, to to you know as if his enemy is doing it. So they are racist, but oh, but he's healing racism against white people, like you know reverse discrimination and all that crap. Um, so I, I think that is it's very evil, but it looks. A Apparently that some people are waking up. I know people who were Trumpers who now hate him, whatever. It became a little bit too much. But
0: Yeah, you know, and I think, I, I think there were people in the past two, four years ago who just weren't that inspired by um, Hillary Clinton. So they stayed home thinking it wouldn't be a big deal. And it is a big deal. You know, you can't stay home. Yeah. <laughs> you have to vote. If you don't get exactly yeah. what you want, it's like being a spoiled brat, right? You don't get exactly yeah. what you want, but you got to understand the system. You got to understand what's at stake uh, mm-hmm. and, and vote for the better choice. If it's even if it's not your best, uh, most, you know, um, your, your your preferred choice.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think people learned. I hope we'll see.
3: Yeah, I, I hope so. And I hope that we're going to be making a lot of uh, theater, great plays about this. I mean, this guy is going to be like the comedians are going to miss him because it's like it's at the same time, when you see the, the, the march, some of the protests of his followers, they are killing parody because you don't know if it's a parody, somebody making a joke about them or if it's them. When they do these things about the masks, you know, they get so upset about the masks. and they, So anyway, but it's. Um, all right. So you want me to describe me political the
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit.
3: I want to describe, but I want to I wanted to touch a topic that I think is important. Please do. Because which is humor. And I think, and I say this when I teach, and I do this in my shows. Uh, but I think it's very important because I I think that we are in a moment that well, this guy at least sometimes we laugh out loud, right, for for the things that he's saying, whatever he's ridiculous. and, and humor is a super powerful tool. Uh, but usually, it's better used by the oppressors than by people. Like, we all know that the first time that we are oppressed, that we are, uh, it's because somebody's making a joke about us, making fun of us, you know, because somebody's, or a woman, or a foreigner, you have an accent, or you're gay, or you're trans, or you are fat, or you're too tall, or too short. Um, so, the first time you felt terrible as a kid, whatever it was, a joke, making somebody was making fun of somebody's making fun of somebody who sounds like you or looks like you. Um, so we know that you can destroy somebody with jokes, and, and this guy is more sensitive to people making jokes about him than anything else. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's just about knowing how to aim, you know, like making sure that we're going to aim at the powerful and then, uh, and knowing that we have to be very careful because it is true. It's, it's, you can destroy completely um, somebody with a joke. So that's it. That's what I wanted to say. And the other thing is um, that you were asking me. Uh, what was your question something about like whatever I was trying to accomplish yes. and that is the point yeah and I was like for years and years people always ask me if I I am preaching to the converted and I thought always a lot about that question and I, I realized that yeah totally I don't think I'm going to convince any Trump or right wing or fascist about my ideas are fantastic but also uh, I think is it is I was thinking about a a church preaching, you know, makes me think about a church and a priest preaching, and he's always preaching to the converted. (laughs) Like, He's not going around, or maybe they are going around and convincing people, but the point is that it's a way to, not a way to educate anybody or to make change everybody, transform everybody's political ideas. It's a way to create community, to be together, to uh, share ideas. It's a way to bring social issues into a public space and have a dialogue and maybe a QA and a at the end or maybe people talk. My shows always have a lot of people, whoever once comes and tells me, I want to be in your show, I'm like, sure. I find a part for you or they are part of the stage manager or whatever. And because it's a moment of, Community—it's a moment of like a lot of people coming together, and it happens to me all the time that I, I see people in a party like, oh, you know each other, and they're like, yeah, we met in your show. Like, tons of people who meet in the in my shows, and I love that. So, um, so yeah. So I think that if I try mm-hmm. to what do I try to accomplish? I would say um, that I'm preaching to the converted. <laughs> that we are. Uh, enjoying that time together, and hopefully, you know, learning from each other, and and uh, it's for us. It is for us completely, and I think that it's always a lot of, you know, I, I, I mean, the people who are in my shows. I, I my shows are very really queer, and people were like, oh, sometimes I have straight people who come like, oh, but straight people will love this, and I'm like, oh no. And I and I appreciate that. In, and I, uh, but I don't think I would try to educate, go to a show in a, in a Trump rally. No. <laughs> <A monologue. laughs> no. That'd be a,
0: that'd, I that'd be abusing yourself,
3: <laughs> right? Well, that would be horrible. Um,
0: so, so um, if people want to find out a little bit about what's coming up next with you, how would they do that?
3: I don't know, actually, because um, I'm not publicizing a lot. I have my Facebook where I announce things, my Instagram, um, both for Susanna Cook. And I, what I'm, I'm not really, I'm just being invited to festivals and things and I go and I do my thing. I mean, I go with my videos, I send my videos, um, but I'm not doing myself a lot of publicity except posting it on Facebook or Susanna Cook, you know.
0: Susanna Cook, S U S A N A Cook, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. and um, uh, believe it or not, we're we're just about uh, done this this time around. And it it was really nice. I feel like I was dancing with you there, trying to get a sense of how we're <laughs> we're going to uh, uh, talk and connect. And I, I got a I got a, a feel for where you're coming from. It, it I, I like. Uh, I like your your uh, philosophy and your energy it's It's really wonderful to be able to share it with people on the program and i'm 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 sure I would love to talk with you again in the future so we could expand on this but before we go, uh what would you say to to folks who are listening now going through these tough times I mean, you started off joking around about how you know what you wanted was to be the most uh, powerful uh, the most well remembered <laughs> artist of of all time? and and then and then you got into you know how you're trying to be positive in a more you know uh, real sense during these tough times how 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 would you you know share with those uh listening some insight some humanity so that they can better get through the day
3: i am the opposite of that monologue i i'm actually a tall underground artist and i always been and i always thought that that was my thing and i I am more like, um, I, and I, even though I read his book many years after I was doing theater, the uh, representations of the intellectual by Edward Said, um, and he talks a lot about the artist. The real artist, or the real intellectual, is the one who's completely independent from the structures that you're now going to be catering to. Uh, institutions or universities or the people who want to give you the money that is completely independent. And, and I am that way. I i told you I work with dogs. I support myself and my art. I do get paid sometimes, but it's not like that would pay my bills. And and I feel that it is almost like a spiritual connection. It's, it's a way that... Uh, theater, I see theater performance as a way to for as an opportunity for growth for yourself and for the people who are around you and I think that um, it shouldn't have anything to do with with you know, the industry those words like freak me out the industry, the professional like I think it's um, I do it because I think it's a moment of um, connection, connection with people, connection with Like, you know, art should also be an opportunity for us to question and think about a lot of issues and it's like see things differently for a second. So, um, my advice would be look for that connection. And I think that if you put some beautiful music and you grab a notebook and you start writing and you don't know, in automatic writing, you don't even know what you're writing, you just let yourself go, you'll get somewhere. And I think, uh, or dancing, or painting, whatever is the way they're going to connect. We should uh, should all do a little bit of all those things. I need to dance, I need to write, I need to... And then, at this moment, you can do it only on video or on photos. And... And it's good, one day we're gonna be together again in theaters and do live performances. But I think that for now, that's what we have. And that is, it's a good way to connect too, because it's like, we all, we're gonna come on the other side of this and we're gonna be transformed. This is definitely a transformative experience. And I think it's gonna be, at the end it's not gonna be, you know, that bad. Our, we're all going to be different artists than we were before. That's what I
0: think. Well said, Susanna Cook. So nice to have you on Chubadors and Rock On Tours. And, uh, you know, I'm going to play a song right after our conversation. If What song would you like me to play? What pops into your head that we can have everybody dance together to?
3: Uh, on ira by Sass. That's my favorite song to dance.
0: Excellent. Excellent. All
3: right. Thank you so much. Take care. You
4: too. Bye. <laughs> Et le ciel en dessous de Kyoto On ira sentir Iobat Au cœur de Tchernévo On lèvera nos yeux sur le plafond De la chapelle Sixtine Et on lèvera nos verres Dans le café Pushkina Oh, quelle est belle notre chance Aux mille couleurs de l'être humain Mélangée de nos différences À la croisée des destins Nous êtes les étoiles Nous sommes l'univers Vous êtes un grand de somme Nous sommes Non pas de drapeau, on fera des jours de fête autant qu'on a de héros On saura que les enfants sont les gardiens de l'âme Et qu'il y a des reines autant qu'il y a de femmes On dira que les rencontres font les plus beaux voyages On verra qu'on ne mérite que ceux qui se partagent On entendra chanter des musiques d'ailleurs Et l'on saura donner ce qu'on a de meilleur Oh, qu'elle est belle notre chance Nous sommes l'univers Vous êtes un grain de sable Nous sommes le désert Vous êtes mille pages Et moi je suis la plume êtes oh, 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 oh. l'horizon Et nous sommes la mer Vous êtes les saisons Et nous sommes la terre
0: And now, two poems by acclaimed Argentinian writer, Jorge Luis Borges. The first is called Music Box. Music of Japan, parsimoniously from the water clock, the drops unfold in lazy honey or ethereal gold that over time reiterates a weave, eternal, fragile, enigmatic, bright. I fear that everyone will be the last. They are a yesterday come from the past, but from what shrine, from what mountains slight, garden? What visuals by an unknown sea? And from what modest melancholy From what lost and rediscovered afternoon do they arrive at their far future me? Who knows? No matter. When I hear it play, I am. I want to be. I bleed away. This piece is called A Compass. All things are words belonging to that language in which someone or something, night and day, writes down the infinite babble that is, per se, the history of the world. And in that hodgepodge, both Rome and Carthage, he and you and I, my life that I don't grasp, this painful load of being, riddle, randomness, or code and all of Babel's gibberish stream by. Behind the name is that which has no name. Today I have felt its shadow gravitate in this blue needle, in its trembling sweep, casting its influence toward the farthest strait, with something of a clock glimpsed in a dream and something of a bird that stirs in its sleep.
5: Seven days, I don't know got the shoes, something going wrong, we got red skies at dawn, can't find the captain and the lifeboat's gone. We're going down with the ship, we're going down, 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 down with the ship. Pray to the Lord how we stay afloat with a three-meter hole in the bottom of the boat. We're going down with the ship.
0: tree stands on a hill Watching over this valley in Argentina Where our ancestors live in cities so old Before the cattle came and the despots reigned A glory of food aromatic traveled With the warm breeze in the early afternoon Whilst lovers made love And then fell asleep deep secure inside each other's arms. have it, episode 392 of Troubadours and Rock Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Susanna Cook. I also'd like to thank the writer Jorge Luis Borges. And these musical artists, Django Reinhardt Stefan Grappelli, Modeschi Martin, and Wood. Melvina Reynolds, Zaz, Wren, Todd Rundgren and Rivers Cuomo, Future Island, and of course Branford Marsalis and Terrence Blanchard too. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with This Time. Take care.